Oh, good evening, folks. It's very nice to see you and surprising to see you on New Year's Day here at church. <laughs> Welcome. This is wonderful. My name is uh, Aaron Roberts. I'm the, I'm the pastor of this service. And uh, this particular service today is a family service, which means the kids stay in the service um, for the whole time. It'll be shorter. Uh, they'll have some, I'll have a special talk I give just to them. We have some crafts to do, we'll look at some artwork, and the sermon I preach will be shorter as well. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, service begins um, with some scripture sentences, which you can find in your service sheet there. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has redeemed, visited and redeemed his people, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of Peace. Folks, would you stand for our first hymn? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him. sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us because of your great goodness. According to your many mercies, put away our offenses. Wash us thoroughly from wickedness. And cleanse us from our sins. For Jesus Christ's sake. Mighty Father, you gave your dearly beloved Son to die for us because of your great love. Grant that through his cross our sins may be put away and remembered no more, and that cleansed by his blood and mindful of his suffering, we may take up our cross daily and follow him in newness of life until we come to his everlasting kingdom through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now let's stand together confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Folks, you can be seated again. I just have uh, one quick announcement I'd like to make tonight. Um, if, if you are sort of exploring the Christian faith, or you don't feel like you have adequate answers to you know, some of the really big questions in life, I just want to point you towards this short course that we're running called Come and See, which starts in January. And in your service sheet at the back, you can see all the details about it. So what it's going to be is like a discussion group uh, for folks who get a chance, you'll have a chance to explore issues of purpose and identity and truth and hope in a place that's safe and warm and you'll also get fed and um, so it starts on January 11th and runs for a few weeks if you'd like to go you can register online Um, so if you go to the website uh, there's there's a thing called events you go on there it's called come and see and you can register for that and give you all the details and it's run by Chris Lay who's just a lovely guy and um, yeah it'll be be brilliant it'll be brilliant now what I want you to do is uh, just take a couple of minutes just to greet each other. Four minutes just to say hi. If there's people around you you don't know, would you make an effort to say hi to them?
All right, would you stand with me for our next song? chapter 4, verse 16 to chapter 5, verse 10. This can be found on page 966 of your Pew Bible. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent, for it, the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this tent, for in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Indeed, by putting it on, we might not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent, we groan. Being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for, everything, for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee so that we are always a good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are a good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. We, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Jaya, thank you so much. Now, kids, kids that are here, I'd love to see you up the front. I'm going to talk to you for like one minute, and then you're going to do some crafts for me, okay? So kids, come up the front. And you can use some right there for me, people, right there. <coughs> Hello. Now, kids, can you turn around so you can see the screen? So some images will be coming up on the screen as well. Now, children, did you know that in the Bible, the passage that Jay just read, the Bible says that life sometimes is like living in a tent. Sometimes it can be awesome, like this. The sun is shining, you've got a great view. But other times, life is not so great. It's kind of like camping in bad weather. And you're really stressed out, and the wind is blowing, and you're just kind of hanging on. Because there's danger about. And you are trying your hardest, but you're feeling pretty overwhelmed. It's, it's an actual photo. Right there. <laughs> So life can be great, but it can also be hard and tricky, kind of like living in a tent. But God says one day we'll be with him in heaven, and life won't be like living in a tent. It'll be like living in a castle. Wow. A castle where nothing can hurt you. There'll be no death or pain or sickness. No bad weather. Nothing can destroy it. Won't that be awesome? Folks, kids, I have something I want you to do for me. Can you draw for me a picture of what it would be like in heaven? What a house would be like? What life would be like? Imagine like heaven like a house. What will that house be like? It won't be a tent that can fall over. Be like a, more like a castle. Do you think you guys could draw that? Yeah? Okay, great. So come over here. Look at this. So we've got some coloring things here. You can flip those over. You can use the other side. You can use the other side of the paper. You don't have to use that side. Use the other side, and we'll draw some pictures. And I'm going to speak to the adults now for about eight to ten minutes, all right? <coughs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay, it'll be a little bit mad, but that's okay. So this is our last sermon in the Advent Christmas series, looking at Christ's return. And uh, we are jumping into 2 Corinthians. So, Paul, who wrote this letter to Corinthians, uh, did not have an easy life. He had every excuse to kind of just throw in his faith, just to kind of give up too hard. Too much drama, too much pain. In 2 Corinthians 11, he writes a list of all the things that have happened to him since he started his job as this, like, this traveling guy planning churches. And let me just read to you this little section. 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a day and a night. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from all those other things, there was a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I mean, that's a... That is a very solid lineup of problems, I think. But despite all his problems, despite all the drama in his life, he says in our passage, we do not lose heart. Actually, he says it twice in chapter 4. We do not lose heart. So the right question to ask is, <laughs> like, how, does he, how, does he, how does he do it? How does he do this? How does he keep going? I think he summarizes the key to his fortitude in verse 18. 
He says, look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. You know, one of my favorite Bible stories is uh, in 2 Kings. It's about the Syrian king. He's going to kill the prophet Elisha. Elisha's a good guy, you know. So overnight, the Syrian king does this kind of night opsy thing where he surrounds the place where Elisha's staying, you know, he surrounds it with his army. Elisha's in there. No one realizes it. In the morning, the servant of Elisha gets up to, you know, I don't know, go to buy some milk or whatever he's doing. And uh, verse 15 picks it up in chapter 6 of 2 Kings. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army of horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, this is Elisha, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So Elisha saw what others could not. The enemies that had surrounded him were in turn completely surrounded by another army. It was God's army, thousands and thousands of angelic beings. And I think like Elisha, Paul is trying to get us to see what we don't normally look at. Because our eyes are so low. Because we're so grounded. We're so like grounded by what's happening immediately around us. So what are these unseen things that Paul wants to bring into focus? Focus. What are these, what are these things that fortify him despite incredible hardship? And there are a couple in the passage. I'll, just, I'll, I'll talk about two of them. Paul is urging us to pay attention to these unseen things. The first one is this, the inner work that God is doing in us. The inner work God is doing in us. And secondly, the hope of our physical resurrection. So let's go. Let's go. Let's have a crack at these two here very quickly. So what does the Bible say about inner work? What does this passage say about the inner work God is doing in us? Verse 16 again. For we do not lose heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So what's he saying? Paul's saying his body's getting knocked around by circumstances, by age, by by such things. But trusting in God's goodness, despite everything going around, trusting in God's goodness... By doing that, it was adding to his faith. Something was happening internally into him. In the midst of suffering, God was doing something inside this man. Again, look at verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. That's beyond all comparison. It's a remarkable remarkable thing to say. The thing God was doing, this inner work, was this. God was shifting Paul's focus to... The sheer, I don't know how to say it, like the sheer tonnage of glory that awaited him. His focus was moved to this unseen future he had with God, a future that so impressed on his heart, so furnished his imagination that he could describe all these beatings and whippings and and shipwreckings as, as these momentary light afflictions. That's how good it looked. That's how good the future was with God he imagined. Now hear me here. Paul is not downplaying his suffering. He's not saying it's insignificant. Earlier in the chapter, he says because of his suffering, he wanted to die. He felt completely overwhelmed by life. So he's not saying you've got problems, get over them. He's not saying your bodily pain doesn't matter. He's not saying emotional pain doesn't matter, ignore it. No. What he's talking about is the present world, his present circumstances, contrasted to this future world. And that future that God has for him is so good. It's so astonishing. It it overwhelms and outshines the darkest things that are happening to him. So Paul, in summary, his, his focus was on this unseen, eternal reality, this future reality and it, and it transformed him. And it's a game changer when we do that. Because when your focus is just this life, just what you can touch 
and see and buy when when your life, when this life is your entire horizon, your sources of joy, your resources for uh, getting through life shrink. Because in your mind, it's just all about now. And this is all there is. Joy can only be found in what's happening right now. But when we have the, the glory of the future that awaits us in front of us, I mean, it's a game changer. Very simple example is, imagine you've got two folks, they get a job in a factory, it's a one-year contract, it's very mundane work. Um, one guy gets paid minimum wage, one-year contract minimum wage. Uh, the other guy is promised a million dollars at the end of that year. Their experience of their jobs is going to be vastly different, isn't it? This is what Paul is trying to tell us. So again, folks, um, Paul wants the eternal to invade the temporary. He wants the future to invade the now. He wants the unseen to work its way into our life right now. And when that happens, it renews us, it strengthens us, it fortifies us against hardship. That's point one. So lift your eyes to what God has for you. Point two, Paul is encouraged because of the hope of resurrection. And that's what chapter five, verses one to nine are about. I'll just read uh, one verse from there. We know that if the tent that our so earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's closely related to the first point. But here, um, Paul gets more sort of quite specific about this hope. And the specific things he, wa- he wants to talk about, this great future God has for us, is what it means for our bodies. And in summary, Paul says, be really encouraged in this life because even though your body is sort of decaying, it will be resurrected when you die with a new body. That's, that's at, at a basic level, but there's a bit more to say. Um, at the time of Paul's writing, the Greeks, uh, the sort of predominant way of thinking about our bodies was this, was that the material things were bad and only the spiritual was truly good. And for them, this, this idea of this Greek thought, and the, the, the idea was that um, they wanted to escape the body and exist as a spirit. They regarded bodies as these throwaway things, these cumbersome containers um, that we should sort of, you know, we'll, we'll discard at some point. The official term for that, the official belief system was Gnosticism. This is not what Christians believe. We are embodied people now. In our future, we will be embodied. Matter matters to God. It's good. Matter is good. It's how God made us. The body we have now is like a tent, Paul says, and he was a tent maker. So he knew that tents fall apart. They rip. They get, you know, they they sag. They lose pegs and stuff. In verse 1, he says, we have tents, fragile things. But in the future, we'll have a building. It's a great comparison. Our future bodies will be more solid than what we have now. I don't know what that looks like, but Paul longs for it. In in verse 4, it says he groans for it. And that's sort of like an annoying, like, oh, it's like, it means, it means eager anticipation. It's like little kids on tippy toes looking through the window of a candy store or something like that. Like they're like, I really, really want that. So why is this important, this idea? Because tied up with this idea of a new body is the idea of a new life, new creation. And it's one of the great promises of heaven, isn't it? It's restoration. You, you, get, you get the body you always wanted. You get the body God always wanted you to have. So our future with the Lord is not just life again with God. It's the life you always wanted and perhaps you didn't get to experience here. And what this means is that now, you know, you don't don't have to be the coolest person around. You don't have to, you know, if you never get to see Paris, that's okay. Right? If you don't... If you don't get a degree, it's okay. If you're not great at sports, it's okay. If, you know, if, 
you know, this fear you have that you're missing out on the good life somehow because you felt like maybe you are dealt a bad hand. All the true goodness of this life that you think you've missed out on, it's coming in the future. And you see, that hope, that hope allows Paul to live confidently and courageously now. So it's not this, you know, I've got this great hope so I can live this quite detached life now. No, it's, it's, it's not just, oh, my life really stinks, but I'll just hang out and just, I'll just kind of grind it out <laughs> until I die and then it'll all be good. No, it's, it's like this hope clarifies our life now. It clarified Paul's life. That future hope gives this life purpose. It gives this life uh, sort of moral acumen. It gives this life courage. This is the other reason that Paul says, we do not lose hope. We do not lose heart. It's the promise of a physical resurrection. Doesn't that sound really good? It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Let me wrap up here. So Paul had a hard life. But he could stay the course. Because he recognized that the Lord was doing this inner work in him. Even as he experienced a body that was winding down, he saw that God was doing something internally in him. Be attentive to that stuff in your life, what God is doing inside of you. Secondly, the hope of the new creation... um, His life was difficult. He sacrificed a lot. His body was scarred because of it. But he also knew that all of these things were going to be remade. The world was going to be remade, including him. And that hope outshone any pain he was going through. It's a wonderful hope. And we know it's true. We know it's true because of Jesus. Jesus has gone before us. He's experienced all the stuff I just talked about. Broken body, difficult life, but a restored body. And now he is with his heavenly father and he prepares a new home for us. And it's unimaginably wonderful. Now, the kids have been drawing some homes and they are also going to be unimaginably wonderful. So let's, I can see some really good ones here. Does anyone want to show me a house that God has made for us? Can I look at this one right here? Can I look at it? Can I just look at it? Is that all right? What's your name? Nolan? What is this? Can you tell us about this? It's a castle. Who's this right here? That's a guy. That's awesome. That is, this looks like a great castle, and it looks very shiny. It looks like they keep it really clean, which, I'm, which I appreciate. What have you got there? Oh, my goodness. This is incredible. Look at this. Love and joy. That is a beautiful castle, isn't it? When you walk in the castle, you see heaven. I love that. Is there anyone else? <gasps> Look at the detail on this. It would. You had a. You know what? I think you did a fabulous job. This is more three dimensional. This is like a castle, and you've got like a. What is that called? A steeple? Is that what that's? Is that what's the English word for that? A steeple? Yeah. It's really good. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hey, DJ. Look at this. That is amazing. I absolutely love and, uh, it. And it has my name on it. It does. You did it. That's going straight on the fridge. Right? Straight on the fridge. That is a really good one too. Okay, we'll look at one more. We'll look at one more. Here, keep that. Give that to your mum and daddy. They will treasure that. Here we go. Look at this. Is this stained glass? Yeah. Never got finished. No, it looks wonderful. Rainbows. Look, I'd like to live there. Well done, Jaya. Fantastic. All right, kids, you guys, you can just leave everything where it is. I believe we have people that will clean it up for us. Um, yeah, you can, you can take the pictures with you. Kids, you can stand up.
and you can take the pictures with you. Can you take this one to Mama, sweetie? Good girl. Oh, good job. Would you stand now? Please respond with, hear our prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you alone are the giver of hope. We are sorry for the ways we have tried to replace you in our lives. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, who lives in us and is transforming us every day to become more like you. Thank you that our bodies matter and are a part of your good creation. We are so thankful for the hope you give us, that you will come again and make all things new. Help us to have faith in you in all circumstances. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, here at St. John's, we pray for all those who are sick or suffering. May your grace be evident to Jack and Ruth Tang, Manny Rabbi and Janice McDonald, Martina and Grant Walsh Biggings, Michael Dryle and Brenda Broomwell, and Kay Griffiths. We also take a moment to name out loud or silently those in our lives in need of your care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this new year of 2023. Whether feeling hopeful, anxious, happy, or sad, we pray that we would come to know you better this year. 
We pray especially for the come and see sessions here at St. John's. May all those attending experience the goodness of your Holy Spirit as they ask important questions about life and faith. We also pray for the church plant, that you would provide for their needs. We ask that this church plant be a testament to your grace and provision. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we continue to pray for places around the world where there is unrest, war, and great suffering. Bring peace and justice to all peoples. Help us as your church to be a place of healing and restoration. Forgive us for the ways we have fallen short and give us new hearts that seek to be like you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord God, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, who died and gave himself for us. And thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, who works within us, transforming us daily. Our hope is in you alone and in your promise to make all things new. Amen. And now the collect of the day. Almighty God, who has given us your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him, and at this time to be born of a pure virgin, grant that we, being regenerate and made your children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. And now let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand now for our final hymn? Hark the
church over there who would love to pray with you and uh, just want to invite you to stick around after the service we'll have tea and coffee at the back in the little chapel area at the back there before we leave though folks receive this blessing the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds and the knowledge and love of God and of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.